Hi, my name is Rick Bloodworth, and I'd like to talk to you today about Awakening the Giant Within. It begins with a story told by the late William Danforth, president and founder of the Purina Pet Food Company. He also wrote several books, one of which was entitled I Dare You, and it was within that little book that he told the story about a Canadian streetcar conductor who went into World War I and by the end of that war came out a general. Well, how does a streetcar conductor become a general? And the answer to that, I believe, will help us to understand how maybe we can better exercise and fulfill the potential that God has for each one of us. It began with this young man entering into the services and going through the training that all of the new recruits go through. Uh, The physical demands were quite rough, as anybody who's ever been through boot camp will know. And so he really started getting his body into shape and using his body in ways that he had not done before, or at least not done for a number of years. The second thing that he did was he started getting around a number of people types of people that he had not been around before. On his streetcar, he just kind of said hello and goodbye to people as they got on and off of his streetcar. But he got to know people within the military. In a tent next to his was a college professor. He uh, served in the artillery right next to a civil engineer. And discussions with these men and others really started to broaden his mental horizons and uh, caused him to use his mind in ways that he hadn't used before. As a matter of fact, when he went into artillery school, he found out that he had a natural penchant for mathematics. While he had always been able to add and subtract affairs within his mind, he had never really had to do the advanced mathematics that are required when doing the different things that you do when you're when you're shooting big artillery. And so he found out that he had quite a talent for that. He also found out that people generally liked him. Now, he was a likable guy, and I guess he already knew that from his former job, but, but he just had a natural way of getting to know people. And the reason was because he liked people, and because he liked people, well, they generally liked him in return. After a while, he also found that these same people uh, kind of looked at him as a leader. And so, too, did, did this man's commanding officers. And so they started moving him up in the ranks. And the more that he moved up in the ranks, the more he just thrived with what he was doing. Part of the reason was because he believed in the moral cause uh, that they were engaged in in World War I. And so he had a great concern for others, and he felt like he was doing something that was uh, certainly worthwhile. And so adding all these things together, we see four different areas that William Danforth uh, identified. As a matter of fact, four different areas that kind of were at the heart of this little book that he wrote. He called it the four square life. And on the bottom uh, of that square, he had religion. Uh, And then the other sides of that square were the physical, the mental, and the social. And it was these four areas that William Danforth was convinced that you needed to develop to their fullest in order to be the best uh, person you could be in whatever endeavor that you were, whether it was where you worked or as a parent or as as a child or just as a friend. Um, All these four things become very important. Well, He didn't get that on his own. He had got that from the Bible. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was. And you remember what he said. The greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. 
Well, you look at those four things, and these were essentially the four things that William Danforth uh, really explored to try and figure out how he could meet the potential uh, that God had given to him. Getting back to this man uh, that was the streetcar conductor that eventually became a general, as he was going through all of his training and as he went through the war and had all of his interactions with his men and within the battles and everything else, uh, there were things within him that probably uh, some some of which were, were deep-seated within him, just talents that God had given him. But there was also a number of things that he developed, that he acquired as he went through uh, World War I. And essentially, as he was doing that, as he was finding that he could use his physical uh, skills in ways that were far in excess of what he had thought before, and that he could actually use his mental ability in ways that would help a lot of people, uh, his social abilities as far as getting along with people and caring enough about them to where they could see that and to where they would want to follow him. And then finally, awakening that giant of, of having a noble cause to serve. Well, it was these four things that awakened within him to cause him to become the giant that he eventually became. God has that for us as well. But it all starts with loving him in the proper way and loving him with balance. In the first episode, we talked about the fact that we are spiritual beings, but we're placed within a physical body in a physical world. And at some time during our life, we are going to have to come to grips and help that balance in order to become everything that we can be. Some people are really good at focusing on God, and that certainly is the main thing. And I believe we all need to be doing that. But, but some of these people um, sometimes turn out to be fairly inefficient in their interactions in the physical part of this world. And there are other people that just seem to thrive in the physical part. They become great athletes and great uh, businessmen, great uh, moms and dads, and whatever it is, they become very good at it. But it's all physically oriented and, and with very little regard for the spiritual. As a matter of fact, one of the things I believe we can all say, if we're honest, is that we could all do a little bit better, maybe focusing a little less on the physical and a little more on the spiritual. One of the reasons that I'm doing this series of podcasts is to try and remind uh, each one of us that our main duty here on earth is to serve God so that we can be with him in heaven, serving him for all eternity. That service is pleasant. It's uh, So many times uh, we look at, at uh, service to God like I did when I was a kid. I, I'm afraid I was a pretty, <laughs> a pretty bad kid when it came uh, to trying to, to be a godly young man. I never really liked uh, uh, the worship services. I never really liked Bible class. As a matter of fact, when we went to church, I just wanted to get it over with get out of my dress clothes as soon as I could so I could get back to playing in my in my real life. Well, that's a child, but some people never leave those childish ways behind. They grow up and, and they become just as childish. They become just as selfish with what they consider to be their time, not recognizing for a moment that God created them that all the time that we have is only because he gave it to us. As a matter of fact, the only reason that we exist in the first place is because he created us. Um, and yet we still have that childlike mind where we're very begrudging on giving God anything, whether it's our time or our money, or our efforts, or sometimes even just our thoughts. And so 
how do we become the balanced uh, servant that God desires us to be? And how do we awaken those giants within? Well, one of the things that I have found through the years that has helped me more than anything is just to start reading through the Bible. Um, before I really started getting serious about Bible study, I just kind of uh, read through it as my wife uh, would describe it, like somebody would look look at a magazine, you know, just kind of open up uh, the magazine and look at the articles and the things that interest them, but never really an intent to really find out everything that was in that. And well, you can do that with a magazine. As a matter of fact, that's probably the best way to read a magazine. But when it comes to God's word, uh, every part's important. And it's very hard to understand the New Testament without first understanding the Old Testament. It's very difficult to understand sometimes where we're going unless we know where we've come from. And so God tells us where we came from. Uh, he gives us all sorts of insights as to, as to what he uh, wants from his servants, what he'll accept from his servants. And so uh, we look at all that and we read the Bible more and more. And after a while, things start uh, to make a lot more sense. And as things start to make more sense, we start to think more deeply about what we're here for in the first place. And maybe we start taking some of the physical focus that we've had and starting to place that focus on the spiritual. And so as we talk about awakening the giants within us, the first thing that I really believe we need to do is we need to determine, first of all, who God is and settle in our mind who he is uh, and then figure out who we are and what he expects of us. I uh, mentioned in the last episode that I believe that the Bible is God's word. I believe it's infallible. I believe it's inspired. I believe it's complete. Because I believe these things, when I look at the Bible, I'm really going to it to find out the factual things, kind of like uh, mathematics. When you have a math textbook, you really are looking at things that are settled. One plus one will always equal two. Uh, there, there are certain formulas in, in your math books that will tell you how to figure the area of a circle or what the distance is from point A to point B, um, how quickly you can get there going at different speeds. And so these things never change. They're settled because the math is settled. One of the things that a lot of people don't really realize, I'm afraid to their detriment, is the fact that the Word of God is in fact settled. He has the very best way for us to live. And he tells us who we are and what we're doing here. And once we start coming in contact with that knowledge, it starts to awaken something within us. And that awakening is very important. When Jesus was writing to the seven churches of Asia, we read John's account from the book of Revelation. When we get to chapter 3, Jesus is giving instruction to the, to the church at Sardis. And he, he tells them, just point blank, wake up, uh, strengthen what remains and is about to die. And then he says this, if you don't wake up, I'll come back like a thief. And of course, his point is, if at some point in our lives we don't get serious about God, if we haven't at some point taken care of the important things that he has required us to take care of, when Christ comes back, it's not going to be good for us. I'm convinced from reading the scripture that there really is a heaven and that there really is a hell. 
I deserve to go to hell, and so does everybody who's ever lived other than Christ. But Christians, once they've awoken to the truth, are determined that they're going to go to the one place they don't deserve to go, heaven. Will it be by God's grace? And the answer is, of course it will be. Will it be by the sacrifice of Christ? And of course it will be. But they did that for everybody, didn't they? God's grace is extended to everybody. Jesus died for everybody. But there's still a hell. Why? And the answer is because we have our part to do as well. And the Bible will tell us about that part. And it will also tell us about this balance that's so important for us to have. There's a great passage in First Chronicles where David's talking to his son Solomon, and he's preparing him to be king. And he tells his son that if you will seek God, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Well, why could Solomon be assured that if he sought out God, that he would indeed find him? Well, it's not just a casual look, is it? Deuteronomy chapter 4, it tells us that we will find God if we'll seek him with all of our heart. And so there's the effort that's required behind that. So once we start doing these things, once we start awakening to what we're really here for, I believe that's when life really begins. A lot of people find Christianity restrictive. I do not. I, I've worked with youth groups for over 40 years now, just retired from working with my last youth group. And one of the things I always told them was, I have more fun than anybody I know. Uh, why is that? And I'm convinced it's because the Christian way is the very best way to live. You'll make a lot of mistakes, but you can still go through life with a knowledge that as long as you come back to God on his terms, you can still be saved. The Apostle Paul said, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Now, if the Apostle Paul who was inspired as he wrote these things, said he was the worst sinner. And when you think about what the Apostle Paul had done before he became an apostle, he literally sought out Christians, had them arrested, thrown into prison. Some of them were killed. He was the worst of sinners. And yet he looked forward to an eternal life with Christ. Why? Because he accepted God's offer of grace. He accepted the sacrifice that was done for him. And then he accepted the work that he was expected to do. Would that work save him? Of course not. But he still had that part to do. There's a passage in Ephesians chapter 2 that says, It's by grace you've been saved through faith, this not of yourself, not by works, lest any man boast. And a lot of people will take that to mean that you don't need works, but that's not what that passage says. It just says that you're saved by grace through faith, not works. The passage goes on to say in verse 10, that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Well, we talked about this in the last uh, uh, video that I did, but, but maybe it would be good to talk about it one more time. How can you be saved by grace and faith and not by works? In other words, how come you're not saved by works, but you can't be saved without works? Is that contradictory? And again, the best example I've come up to is roofing a house. You need nails to, to attach these shingles to the house or screws or some sort of thing that will affix them. Let's just say nails. You can't put that roof on without the nails. And, and, but at the same time, you're not putting the roof on because of nails. And so 
While nails aren't the reason for your roofing the house, you can't do it without it. Works are not the reason for your salvation, but you can't be saved without them. In other words, God did not put us on some type of a spiritual welfare program. He expects us to work, and if we love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then we're going to be very successful in our lives uh, before him. I want to say again, God has placed within us enormous potential. But a lot of times that potential just lies dormant. It's like a sleeping giant. At some point in our lives, we have to awaken that sleeping giant that God has given to us. So let me ask you this question. Have you done that? And if you haven't, when will you start? Again, this life is wonderful, isn't it? I believe God has created us to enjoy this beautiful world that he created. Why, why else would he have put so many beautiful things within it for us to enjoy? Why would there be all, all sorts of foods to eat and not with all the flavors? Why would there be all the colors in the world and all the, all the variety that we have? Why would he have allowed us to select our own husband or wife? Why, why would he have allowed us to select uh, our own jobs and, and do what we really enjoy doing and, and select our own hobbies and recreation as long as they're not sinful? Um, why would he do that unless he loved us? He wants us to enjoy this life. And so is there a physical part of this life that's important? You bet. And should we enjoy it? Well, how ungrateful would we be if we didn't? Did you ever get a gift at Christmas, open it up, and it was just what you wanted? You were just thrilled to get it, but then you put it back in the box because you said, well, I don't deserve it, or, or because you just forgot about it? Why is it that so many people open this gift of salvation up, and they say, well, I don't deserve it, so they just put it back in the box and put it back under the tree? Or, or even worse, they look at it, and then they forget about it because for some strange reason— they think that the physical is the only thing there is. God has given you a multifaceted personality. You have a mind with which you can think and reason things out. You have a body with which you can do all sorts of things that you enjoy to do. You have uh, the ability to interact with other people and, and establish relationships that you and they will enjoy and that are appropriate. But as we look at all these things within this physical world that we can enjoy, we must never forget that it is still our soul that is the most important. Paul set put it this way. When in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he talked about the fact that we have to build a spiritual house for God, but it has to be on the foundation of Christ. No other foundation will do. But then when you build on that foundation, you can pick the types of materials you want to pick. Uh, it can be something as, as fine as gold or, or silver, or precious stones. It can be wood or it can be straw. You get to decide whether or not you're going to build your spiritual life for God uh, with the best you have or if you're going to build it on the cheap and, and just give him the leftovers. But, but uh, think about this fact. God deserves your best, doesn't he? I can remember when I was uh, about 16 years old and my parents bought a new house and we got to select whatever we wanted for the carpet in our bedrooms and we even got to select the, 
the bathroom fixtures and and all sorts of things. And as as they went through, as my mom and dad went through, they selected everything from the kitchen appliances to the type of heat they wanted to the types of shingles on the roof, types of siding on the house. They were able to to just select all sorts of things. But one thing the builder did not let them select was the foundation. He took care of that himself. He made sure that the foundation was good so that whatever was built on top of it would stand. We have to build this house that we're building for God on the foundation of Christ. And then we need to be excited about it. We need to be um, happy as we go about picking the different materials that we're going to use uh, to build our spiritual houses. You truly get to decide how you're going to serve God. With what, uh, with what capacity you have with, with your physical, with your mental, and with your social. Uh, my encouragement to you is, is to give your best and to explore the Word of God so that you can find out how He wants you to do it and to pray about it. I'm convinced if we'll do these things, then after a while, these giants that have been uh, asleep within us will awaken and we can do great things for God and great things for Christ. Not because we're so great, but because they've allowed us to do so. Something to think about it. Do you have a giant within you that needs to be awoken? And if he is, what can you do with that potential that you have? Well, that's it for today. I hope you'll join me next time, but I thank you so much for tuning in today. I pray that God will bless your life richly, and I thank you so much for being here today to listen to the message. God bless you.